On this week's episode of the Forerunners Podcast, we feature Jill Breitweiser. She's known in our community as co-leader of the local chapter of November Project and as a dedicated ultra runner, but her journey to get where she's at now was filled with life-threatening obstacles. In part one of our sit-down, Jill tells us about her family, some of the challenges she's had to overcome, and how her interest in ultra running bloomed. One quick disclaimer, Jill uses colorful language throughout our talk that might earn a movie in our rating. So if you're listening around children, you may want to use discretion. I'm sure you'll find this session with Jill ridiculously inspiring and super insightful, like I did. So enjoy. Um, we're going to start out way back, and we're going to talk about her family, because it's become evident to me through following her on, her on social media that she's a family is number one kind of person, which is kind of like me, and I appreciate that. And uh, a lot of us who are listening to this know Carl, because Carl's kind of, if you heard the last episode, the secret leader of Drew Crew. He's a, he's a closet leader. Yeah. <laughs> he, he literally described himself as the behind-the-scenes kind of guy this week to me. Oh, he absolutely so, is. Yep. Yeah. So he's you're kind of the extrovert, and he's kind of the introvert. So oh, how, did y'all, how did y'all meet? For sure. So Carl, um, he's actually from Long Island, and I'm born and raised here in Norfolk. And he moved away from the area in New York. And came down here, went to ODU, and got a part-time job working for my father's company, which I also worked for, and married the boss's daughter. So, <laughs> um, my parents are no longer at the company, and now my husband and I run it with my aunt. So, we're all partners in all right. a business together. So, yeah, it's pretty that's, awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Um, what is the business? So, we sell um, government surplus. It's shipboard parts for the Navy ships. So very much in demand in this area. We buy what the government doesn't need anymore, we stock it until they need it, and then we sell it back. Dang, that, that sounds like a good business plan. <laughs> it's a crapshoot. You yeah. never know if they're gonna need it, so we just have a big warehouse full of maybes. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, you guys have a daughter. We do. Marley. Marley, she is 15 and a half. Um, she's actually getting ready to take her permit test tomorrow. Oh. Been driving around, hopefully, if she passes, so we're Ooh. super psyched for that. and. Yeah, she's um, she's actually, most people see her and me together think we're sisters um, because she is so mature um, and sometimes I act a little young. So um, she definitely does well and holds her space with uh, the adult crowd for sure. She's yeah. awesome. I've seen her around at a couple of the gatherings. Yeah. Um, when they start driving, I got a niece who drives, it makes your life a lot easier. I'm so excited. <laughs> I mean, these teenagers that aren't getting their license, that's not even a possibility in my... I'm getting my chauffeur. Yeah. I got lots to do on social media nice. for November Project, so that's, she can drive me. <laughs> that's awesome. She uh, She's an athlete. Yes. Right? Is yeah. She's a soccer player. She's a soccer player. Um, she actually just went to her first soccer ID camp at Virginia Wesleyan this Saturday. Nice. So we're already, as sophomores, she's already looking into what college and where she can play and... Dang. Trying to get fit. So, yeah, she's definitely an athlete. She works out um, at November Project, too, every Wednesday and Friday with me. She ran her first half marathon when she was 13 years old. Dang. So, yeah. I mean, she is a little athlete. Yeah, she's a badass. Nice. Um, so, your story is unique, 
and you weren't born running. No. Um, you started running a little bit later in your life, and um, from things I've gathered on social media, I see that it was a long journey to, to running. Yeah, so for sure. I really am excited right this second, <laughs> and I've been waiting for this for a long time to, he- to hear that story. So, so if you will, just lay it all out yeah, for Yeah, so um, I was thinking about like the, the history of me as an athlete and listening to Drew's story, and I was not out there running cross country when I was little. I, I was a cheerleader because that was all, there was basketball or cheerleading, and I was short when mm-hmm. I was in grade school. Um, and then when I got to high school, I saw sport and I started playing field hockey and lacrosse and I excelled. I loved it. Um, I loved every part of the competition and the, the intensity of the sport. Um, but then going off to college, I chose to have fun because I could get away from, uh, being at home. And so I gave up all sport and it wasn't until... Um, 2010, my husband, he signed up for the ASYMCA mud run and my daughter did the mini mud run and she was finishing the last like 25 yards and I was just going to run next to her and I couldn't keep up. Mm. Um, I was so unhealthy, unfit and, um, it was that moment that made me want to run. Um, but, but backtracking as far as my past and where I kind of got down this journey. Um, when I was 25, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, came from a family of, of cancer, my grandma two times, my mom breast cancer two times, my aunt three times. So it was, it was a guarantee that I was gonna have it. It was just, when is that gonna be? Um, but I lived fast and loose because it didn't matter what I would do with my health because it was just going to be a given. So I drank um, mostly social, but probably more than most people would say is healthy. But um, I was at work every day, I had a daughter. She was, um, you know, we were functioning. And um, then when I was diagnosed, I was, Basically, it was implied that I was going to be strong, just like all the other women in our family. And I had to have chemo on a Friday so that I could sleep it off on during the weekend and be back to work on Monday. Um, and my husband couldn't go with me to my appointments. He didn't go with me to chemo. I drove myself. So I quickly learned that a six-pack worked well. Three before, three after, and you are the amazing warrior that everybody wants you to be. Um, so I lived in that skin and I, I was a, um, I was a major supporter of like American Cancer Society and I was on billboards and commercials and everybody just thought I was a strong person, but back in the back, I was just drinking it away. Mm-hmm. Um, once I've got finished with my treatment and everything, it, it leveled off, things got a little bit better. And then, um, two years later, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and me and him were really close. And his passing just set me, set me on a path of just straight down. Um, there was, it was just sad, sadness and sorrow and, and um, Carl and I just every, every night was just passing the time, wasting away on the couch, drinking and doing nothing for ourselves. And mm-hmm. um, 
he decided to start running to get fit and that's when he signed up for that mud run and I I looked at myself in pictures next to my daughter like dying to run you know just a couple feet and here I you know I couldn't even keep up with my kid and that is what changed my my perspective um so backtrack before that I I got sober when um about a little uh, almost a year after my dad passed away um got a new job had to get away from the family business and found new friends and one of the friends convinced me to go running on our lunch breaks and she came up with the couch to 5k program for me mm -hmm. that's dolo if anybody knows who dolo is she's a badass um and we would run and then we'd baby wipe ourselves in the bathroom and then get right back to work nice. um so she convinced me to sign up for the one mile at the neptune race and i i get my yellow headphones with the sony old school walkman and i line up and i'm next to a bunch of freaking eight-year-olds and my goal is to run that one mile and not stop yeah and the pictures of me i look like i'm ready to have a heart attack at the finish line but like i finished and then I signed up for a 5K, and then I signed up for a 10K, and then I trained for a half marathon, and I fell in love. Um, it was incredible. Um, I had a little hiatus after that, but then, but then I did come back. So nice. Yeah. When you decided to to cut um, alcohol out of your life, uh, what was the, what was the last straw? Um, wrecking my car and drinking every day at work. I mean, it was it was to the point of I would find a reason either good or bad so that I could drink. Um, so, oh, it was a great day at work. So now I get some beers on the way home. Yeah. Um, or I gotta go to work and I gotta deal with my mom who me and her weren't seeing eye to eye on how to, to work. So. I'm just gonna drink before I get there, mm -hmm. and then this way I'll be a little bit less of a bitch. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just, it was downward. I mean, and everybody's bottom is a different place. Some people, some people can quit when they get there. You know, I never got a DUI or any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of flew under the radar. Um, but it was definitely um, the bottom of my bottom was just you know living life every day, just waiting for the next drink instead of living my life. Uh, it's pretty incredible to see how amazing life can be on the other side of that. Um, so I try to preach that to, to anybody that wants to hear that story. I don't ever force sobriety on anybody. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's your own journey. You have to be there when you want to be there. Yeah. Um, I can tell, I can tell people my story and then maybe, maybe that's something that they'll, they'll resonate with something. And, um, I don't know. It's. It's something I'm trying to teach my daughter is that you don't have to have alcohol, drugs, food, whatever, to have a great time. Yeah. You can go run up and down tr mountains of trash and you can go watch video, you know, movies with your friends mm -hmm. and you can have, go camping, hike mountains, all yeah. kinds of amazing things and you don't have to be under the influence, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were battled with cancer. How long did you have to go through chemo for? Um, standard protocol. So I got diagnosed in June and I was done in December. So I had, I had surgery, um, because I have both the genetic mutation genes. Um, mm -hmm. I got rid of 
both of my breasts, got rid of my ovaries. I did everything I could to prevent reoccurrence. So um, 13 years out this summer. So it's the longest anybody in my family has ever gone without having cancer. That's Which is pretty incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I lost my parents in the last five years years to cancer and uh i watched how it affected them and um ultimately watched it steal their life and uh so i don't know you that well but i'm grateful that in your battle you were able to overcome and that it's really neat that you've it's not neat. It's more it's more powerful and meaningful than neat, but I think it means a lot to to the people around you and I know to your husband and your daughter it has to that you had your life threatened and that you overcame and that to me it seems like you are grabbing life by the horns and going on this ride and squeezing it for all it's worth. So I am grateful for that. Thank you. Yeah. I just, uh, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Thanks. So yeah, the, one of the things that I think about though, is like I, I beat cancer and then, then I was like, like a cat, like nine lives. Like, let me, and then I beat myself up with, with drinking. And it was like, I don't know how many more chances I'm going to get. Yeah. That's kind of where I was at was like, you know, I, I've skirted death on multiple occasions with cancer and with, the, with drinking. And um, I don't, I don't want to take any more of those chances. I looked at my daughter and looked at what I had, all, you know, in front of me and, and saw, you know, people that lose their lives. And why was I, I wasn't going to fuck around and waste it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I started, it, no, not a lot of people know this except my, my close friends, but I was a proud lazy guy like (laughs) legit I was so proud to be big so proud that I wasn't locked down in discipline Um, so proud to drink as many coca-colas a day as I wanted to I had I had like an 8 p.m. coke that's what I called it Mm -hmm. then a 9 p.m. coke and sometimes I would take a shot of coke before I went to bed Mm coca-cola okay so when my parents died and I started thinking about my medical history and, or my family medical history, and I thought about, I thought about my, my daughter and my wife and how if I keep living the way I'm living with my family medical history, that I won't be with them in the time that I think I'm supposed to have with them. Mm -hmm. I might be robbed of it. So that's why I started running is, or that's why I started trying to get physically fit Mm -hmm. is because I'm trying, I don't, I know I can't control the things that happen inside my body. Like if cancer wants to pop up or whatever, but I'm going to give myself a fighting chance to, to fight off heart disease and diabetes and, and whatever I can. So yeah, that's, it's inspiring to, to hear your story. Uh, I, I resonate with it, and I think uh, that it'd be amazing if people could just hear this and not have to experience those things oh, yeah. and know that they they could be blessed to to give their body a chance. Yeah, you know. So, 
I just think that's awesome. And I appreciate you, you sharing. Thank I know you. it's a very personal story. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I wear it on my sleeve. Um, it's one of the biggest things I learned through going through cancer is you have to be your own advocate. Yeah. Um, I fought for the doctors I wanted. I fought for the surgery I wanted. I questioned everything. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I didn't do with drinking is, um, so for anybody out there with any health related anything, or if it has anything to do with drugs or alcohol or depression, anxiety, you know, it's ask, ask for help. It's out there. There's people that love you, the people that will do anything they can to make your life better. And it is a, sometimes a long journey. Sometimes it might just be a blip, but it's, it's not, it's not forever. There, you know, people there's, they ask me, like, I, I don't know that I can get, I can quit. It's, it's too much, you know, one day at a time for anything, anything you want to do. You want to run a hundred miles? One day at a time. Mm-hmm. Want to quit drinking? One day at a time. Yeah. Want to be a better person? One day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a, a lot of times running is like a, a microcosm of life. You know, the difficulty, the highs, the lows, the pain. Uh, the injury that sidelines you, uh, those are things, it, it mimics It mimics life. It's like life in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. So so moving on to running, you've already kind of shared like a little bit of what it was like to, to start running, but I wanted to talk about that because um, we, we know a lot of people who, would ju- who just have, have run since they were children, mm-hmm. and it's just natural to them. So for, for you and I, who, who kind of started later in life what did you what kind of challenges did you oh, did it was you definitely face? not natural i i remember my husband setting his alarm and i was like could you please just get out of here like yeah. turn off the alarm get the hell out of this room and you know when he was waking up at 5 30 in the morning i thought he was absolutely insane and that especially the morning person thing there was no way in hell i was ever going to do that shit yeah and i I started setting my alarm. I started running around in the neighborhood. It was terrible. It was so freaking terrible. You know, you're by yourself. And my husband used to do every damn court. And I was just like, I couldn't do it because I was such a cheat. Like, I would cheat. Because if I knew that the house was right there, I would, I would just bang left, you know, yeah. and skip it. So I, I started finding other places to run and um, different places to go. I found... Um, November Project and um, North End Run Club, different clubs around the area that got me out meeting other people because that's that's one thing I've been thinking about is that running is definitely a solo journey, um, but it also brings you community. And I'm one of those people that needs both in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, they gravitate towards the, the group run all the time. Mm-hmm. Never run a mile by themselves. They find a friend to run a race with. I'm I'm definitely both sides of that spectrum, um, but it it was hard, you know, it was hard to get to that place. But then once the bug, I, I was never in love with road running. Yeah. Um, my husband and I signed up for our first, Carl and I signed up for our first marathon. We did Richmond and we trained together for the whole thing. Um, and then we signed up for our first trail race um, and started training in first landing. Carl, the first training run went down, sprained his ankle. Mm. So there, I was left to train for this race by myself. Um, so I trained for it and went and, and ran it. And um, 
that's when I fell in love with the trail. So I, I road run because it's necessary where we live. Yeah. If I lived elsewhere, I would never hit pavement just because my love isn't there and my body doesn't love when I run on pavement. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's been a journey for sure. What do you think is so fun about trail running? Because I've run the Nolan Trail Relay, the Nolan Trail Marathon Relay, twice now with a team. And uh, there's just something so freaking fun about being on a trail. It's I don't know what it is, though. For me, like, I love our area. I don't, I don't want to dog the, the trails that we have around here, but um, it's... I love being on, in, especially in the mountain, um, on single track. Around here, First Landing's a beautiful park. There's moss hanging everywhere, and you can get a little bit up and down, but it's, it's the unknown. Um, you're, if you're on a road, you know you're, you're going straight. You can maybe make a right. There's nothing in the road that you need to maneuver, or it's all pace, it's all time. You're looking at your watch. I gotta get the split, this and that. Where with trail, it's there's no 50k that's the same so you can't compare your time because you run a 50k at seashore and then you run a 50k in the mountains with thousands of feet of vertical vertical gain it's a whole different ball game Mm -hmm. and your mind is on the beauty of where you're at versus what's going wrong or going right with your body and your times and who's that guy that's got a pat you know there's there's competition but it's it's you and nature. Yeah, that that's good stuff. Because I feel, when I try to describe why I like the Nolan Trail so much, it's because, like, I guess the emotion that I have when I'm on it, or the best way to describe how I feel, is a thrill. Because you are, like, you, foot, you're paying so much attention to your footing. And you have to kind of maneuver. Oh, yeah. And, it's, and you can tell the people that it's their first time on, on the trail, um, like, my... Like my husband, the first yeah. time. I mean, you, you have to look down. That's one of the things that we actually were just talking about this past weekend. That's kind of kind of hard when you're trail running on a on a technical trail. Is you miss a lot of the views. We said that there could be a, a bear sitting on the side, and yeah. you would have no freaking clue because yeah. you're looking at your feet the whole time, making sure yeah. you're not going to bust your ass. So, yeah, yeah it's um, it is. It's the the thrill of what's around that corner. You have no idea because yeah. the trail's going to turn, and could it go up? Could it go down? You have no idea. And mm-hmm. I love that adventure. Yeah. I think about, I, especially the last week, I've thought about you a couple times because there's a puddle in Portsmouth on a certain sidewalk. And to dodge that puddle, I have to step in grass one step mm-hmm. and launch over. But for two years now, I've never trusted that grass. I'm just afraid that that one step is going to twist my ankle. How do you learn to like trust your footing on a trail? Well, it's all practice. You, you have to get out there and um, start with trails that have a little bit less, um, move your way up. And, and the more like your ankles get stronger, they can react. So let's say that grass is slick. Um, you've, you've run enough miles, you've practiced enough so that you can react immediately to get back on the other foot. Yeah. But, but one of the fun things about trail running though is run through that fucking puddle. Yeah. Run through it. Um, we were just did seashore. I mean, we had to go through knee deep water and there was so many people complaining about, <laughs> oh my, we're going to get wet. And um, this is trail running, man. This is what it's supposed to be about. This is the part that's fun is, is the, the challenges that you encounter when you're out there. I've had races where 
I think I had to jump across like 10 trees that were not little trees, like two hands. I felt like I was in a Spartan yeah. over the trees. <laughs> and when you're at mile 65, yeah. you it's real damn hard to jump yeah, over some I'm trees. I'm so. <laughs> So all those little things, they all, you know, whether to step on the grass or go through the puddle, it's, that's fun to that choice. It's like a kid in a video game. Like yeah. which, which way am I going to go around the boulder while the guy's chasing me? It's, it's, that's the fun part. Right. Let's backtrack a little bit. Cause we talked, we kind of just talked about your love for trail running and in that you, you, um, let it spill that you <laughs> love ultras. So I want to talk about what made you interested in ultras? Because I know for me, even before I started running, I watched the Barclays Marathon documentary, Where Dreams Go to Die on YouTube, yep. and the heartbreak of that—that yeah. that, I know that's that's a special ultra. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the most brutal, yeah. brutal. And it's so funny when torture. you tell people that you run ultras and they've seen Barclays, they ask you if you're going to do that race. Yeah. And it's very funny because it's like, well, um, see, it's actually not a race that you can just sign up for. <laughs> However, you may think that it's on, yeah. it's on the internet. Um, actually, you have to find out the secret way to apply. But yeah. um, now I, I remember running on my treadmill downstairs. I remember the moment it's locked in my brain and trying to pass the time, looking up, you know, running videos on YouTube. And since I had run in the trails, I was looking for trail running videos. And I found Western Time. If anybody listening hasn't seen Western Time, please take 30 minutes to watch that video. It's by Billy Yang, and it features Sally McRae, who is my running hero. Um, this this movie, this film, it it highlights her her race in the Western states, which is the first 100 mile race mm-hmm. in in America, um, and it's her journey as a child to get to that point. And I felt so connected to her, um, was inspired by her. And in that moment, watching that on my treadmill in my basement in Virginia Beach, I decided I wanted to run 100 miles. Yeah. Um, not just I wanted to run a trail, I wanted to run 100 miles. And I knew I couldn't just run 100 miles. I wanted to do it the right way. I wanted to take the ladder. I wanted to do each rung of the ladder to get to that place. And... Um, I love it. I, I would never want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. It's a killer. It's a killer movie, though. I, yeah. And I actually I watched it um, for my last run before I did my hundred, just to bring it all back. West, <laughs> it's called Western Time. Western Time. Billy Billy Yang does some great videos. Billy Yang's amazing. I hadn't seen it yet, but yeah, he's, a, um, he's I amazing. have seen a lot of Billy Yang videos. Yeah. So YouTube, Western Time. Western Time. Billy Yang. Yeah. Um, so. You you mentioned Sally McRae, mm-hmm. right? Yellow runner. Yep, that's right. I remember our last conversation. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about her. Um, you've been to some retreats that she's put on, right? Yeah, she has um, trail camps. And she trail had... Um, her first ever one was in April of 2017. Um, I had... Even before I ran my first ultra, her camp went, the registration went live. And I, and I looked at Carl, I was like, I don't know this, if this will ever happen again. Can mm-hmm. I please go? Yeah. Um, and I'm a very, like you said, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. But that kind of thing scares the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, going, going to see the person that you, you idolize and walking into a house full of all these other people that probably, they probably all run hundreds and hundreds of hundreds. Um, intimidated as hell. But yeah, I went to first camp in um, North Carolina at Camp Greer and got to I thought she would like come in like Nike would drop her off 
and she'd run with us and then leave. Like she made my bed before I got there. Like she was, she made the camp. I, Sally's the most Dang. authentic human, um, full of grace. She's a friend. She's not just now my, I, like she texts me for my birthday and um, sends me videos to give me inspiration before my races now. And that's, that's the relationship you get when you go to one of her camps. Um, and then Carl and I just went to another one out in um, Oregon for our anniversary this past year. And it was amazing, beautiful. Um, sadly, I was at the beginning of my injury. So um, I kind of had to have a little bit of humble while I was there. It, it was still an amazing experience. But um, if, if anybody, if you ever hear of a trail camp, a running camp, a biology camp, if it's something that interests you and you see something like that and, and you can afford and take the time, do it. Take that experience. It's something you'll never, ever get back. And I've made lifelong friends from those, yeah. those experiences. How, how do you find stuff like that? Just stalk, searches? You stalk Sally McRae. No. <laughs> um, I don't I mean, you find it out that, like, she just posted it online. But if you Google, um, there's tons of trail runners that have trail camps. Um, uh, med there's retreats where you can go meditate and run and eat and run and all that kind of stuff. It, it's basically like kids camp. You stay in a bunkhouse and it's pretty gnarly. That's it's awesome. really cool. Yeah, it's super That's fun. Really cool. It's something that when I see, when I saw those posts that you had that you had just gone to Oregon, mm -hmm. that's something where I was like, man, I, I wonder how you freaking find out about yeah. this. It, it seems like something that'd be amazing. To yeah, go there's do a lot. She, um, she does one in um, North Carolina either once or twice a year every year, but... Yeah, it's definitely highly recommend hers or any of them that are out there for sure. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Forerunners Podcast. On next week's episode, Jill shares about her experience breaking into the ultra scene, her greatest running accomplishments, and talks about November Project. When our talk was over, I felt overwhelmed at the amount of wisdom she dropped on me. So come back and get some dropped on you too. Lastly, if you haven't already, find us on Instagram at Forerunners Podcast and follow. If you like our podcast, feel free to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to it on. This is Danny, signing off. Godspeed. Godspeed.